Hi everyone, this is Jackie Cooper with Crypto Mom and also Jay Cooper Travels. I am going to be sharing the story today on two of my different talk shows um, just because of the fact that um, the individual who I'm going to be ch chatting with has such an interesting and remarkable story and I want to make sure that everyone on both sides of my talk shows um, has the advantage of learning more about what he's created. For those that don't know me, um, I am I, my name is Jackie Cooper. I am an attorney, but I'm also an entrepreneur and also a special educator. And I've gotten involved with cryptocurrency, and I'm super excited about my um, my journey here. And on Crypto Mom, it's all about meeting new people and having them share about what they're doing on the blockchain and in the cryptocurrency world. And also on the J. Cooper Travel side is talking about inspirational stories and uh, sharing that we can, if we dream it, we can create it and we can do it. So uh, Daniel, thank you so much for being on. I know we were talking informally right before and you said, let's go for it. So we are now recording to share. How are you doing today? We are live. Doing good. Doing good. Thank you. Good to be here. So I connected with you on LinkedIn and um, on your profile on LinkedIn, um, you have what's called a block card and underneath it says, let's change the world. So for those that might be um, new to cryptocurrency and the blockchain world, what is a block card and how is it going to change the world? Well, block card basically lets it's kind of interconnects cryptocurrencies to the traditional systems banks uh, we have a bank account fdic insured card itself where you can spend everything's converted into cash of course and in, into fiat but but for the customer what's cool is they get to keep their cryptocurrency in their e-wallet until they make the decision to spend it right and then it converts into cash um and so i mean you know i think what's going to change is when people when people think of cryptocurrency they usually think about Bitcoin, which is, by the way, amazing. Everybody should have some Bitcoin because I really believe in it. But the truth is, when I say cryptocurrency, I think of just digital money on a blockchain rail. And what that really means is people are like, well, what is that? You know, who cares, right? The difference is, is that you'll be able to to be your own bank and custom, you know, custom your own money. It doesn't have to fluctuate, just stable money. And you can now peer-to-peer without requiring the services of a bank, you can do all the things you wanted to. The concept of the unbanked will hopefully be this just crazy idea in the future, hopefully. And um, and I'm really excited about what we're doing because I think we're at the beginning of something very special for the, with the way that the world is going to work in the future for, for generations. I agree uh, with you. I, I definitely agree with you. I um, stepped into the world of cryptocurrency last June and um i have started with uh, a small investment um i will say right at the top of the hour here um i am not a financial advisor so anything that we share or say on this podcast or talk show it's all about our personal opinions and again everyone needs to do their own research and make the proper choices for themselves in terms of their own finances and well-being but uh, Bitcoin, when I invested in it, that it has it's a coin that a digital coin or a digital asset that actually has an ecosystem. So what really intrigued me about what you are doing is um, they also are um, 
have a point of sale operation. They have the ability um, over in Europe at the moment of moving crypto to a credit card. Um, and what intrigued me is you're based here in the United States. Yeah. And yeah. Um, <laughs> and and as as am I. And I um, the name of your company is help me if I'm I don't want to mispronounce Turnia. it. Turnia. Turnia. I'll, I'll avoid. I'll help you avoid any boss. I've heard Torino is a Grand Torino. You know, how's uh, Torino? Exactly. And um, so when I saw that you're one, you're United States based, and also you have this um, opportunity to use a card to move. Again, that creates flexibility, and I agree with you that. Um, individuals are going to have they have choices right now but they're going to have even more choices to have their currency be not in a traditional banking structure yeah. and what you're doing on the blockchain is 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 remarkable so um step by step because um i had mentioned that i was going to actually create an account and then go ahead and talk about it but uh we decided to record right now so how easy is it to um to open up an account um does a, a person have to um verify um you know who they are which a lot of wallets do have know your customer verification go through that yeah yeah and um and then do you can you buy directly currency from your platform or do you need to move it from another wallet to where you are how does that work good question so the most important thing is it's five minutes to sign up it's free we'll give you a bank account if you want we'll give you a card block card if you want um after you get your after you do your kyc which is very quick um then you get to we give you a virtual card instantly so in a matter of five minutes you can fund your account with with crypto if you don't have crypto you have to plaid the money in through the traditional wires and then the old way of doing things the current way is so old school right i mean i could literally get money here in maryland i could probably get you money faster through carrier pigeon than uh through the bank system and we, we're we live in a different world now this is not we're using ach which was 50 years ago okay so unless you want to spend 40 bucks for a wire which does not make much sense so if, if you have crypto you deposit you go through kyc and then you get a card and you can plug it into your phone instantly. Yep, I see it. You know, and um, and you basically just instantly you can be making purchases with your phone, Google Pay, Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, while you're waiting for the card. Now, I love that because there's nothing in this world that's that fast. Um, I think what we're building in 2021 is going to be really special. But the main thrust of it is that, um, and in relative to, you know, we have our own token, of course, everything works off of our token, but, but we really, try to educate people, you know, um, try not to get people to speculate. Uh, you have to be careful. There's a lot of bad stuff in the ecosystem as there always is in any ecosystem. So just be very careful. Um, but I think that the word you use, which is really important is ecosystem. I use that word all the time. And I think that that's the fundamental difference between, um, the, the, the tokens that make sense to me and the ones that another word of saying is utility, right? If there's usage, and then you get into like this network effect. In the beginning, it's hard because nobody's like they don't know what it is, they don't trust it. It's usually driven by a lot of speculation in the early days because they're like, if I get in early, then over the long haul, I understand I got in before anybody else even knew about it, and then 
maybe I'll get the next Bitcoin. There's certainly a bunch of that, but um, but building an ecosystem that has a real world application is the core functionality of, I think, what, what, if, if someone's going to have a token, it, it's better, it better have that or it's useless. And, and, there, and many tokens don't have an ecosystem. So is, you mentioned that you have a token. Um, is it built on the Ethereum ch- blockchain or, or how, how does that work? Well, we do have an ERC20 token called Turn, but, um, cause our tokens Turn, but, um, but, ERC-20 is very expensive in terms of gas fees, and, and most people don't know that. Since it's peer-to-peer, the network is taking care of it. And so there's there's nobody to charge in between. There's no bank to charge us, but there's a cost for the network to manage it. And because of the nature of the Ethereum blockchain, which is one kind of blockchain, um, the, those fees can be ridiculous. 10, 15, 20, and part people say 100 bucks. That is not better, cheaper, faster than the banking system. Now, Ethereum is moving over to a faster, cheaper uh, type of blockchain. They're transitioning. Um, our, our token fundamentally was built on top of the stellar blockchain. Um, and we have, you know, uh, there's, there's a limited supply, of course. There's only 900 million of the XLM version of Turn. And it's because of it being on the stellar blockchain, it was built for payments. You can send money anywhere in the world for basically no cost, right? It's a thousandth of a penny for us. So we just give it to people for free and uh, for withdrawal or transfer. And, you know, it's, to me, that's, that, that's the nature of the future of blockchains, what's called a proof of stake blockchain. But fundamentally, I think nothing is stopping us. The, the reason we created an ERC-20 token, we burnt 100 million XLM-based tokens or seller-based tokens and, and created 100 million, because we only ever going to have a billion total. Um, because having a, uh, a scarcity to it is really important as we learn Bitcoin. You got to have scarcity, otherwise, there's really no value at, at, at the big picture level. But it's about ERC20 does a lot of really amazing things with DeFi, with smart contracts. And if, if let's say, for example, Uniswap is a pretty big exchange that does more volume with Coinbase, if people are trying to transact in certain places where you tap into this ecosystem, you can't do that with an Exxon based token. You have to have an ERC20 token. So we have this we have that and maybe one day we'll have another but you know i'll i'll turn within that one billion framework but the point is we want to we want to be able to give utility to wherever our customers whatever kind of blockchain they want to use but we think stellar is a great blockchain for us so there are two things that um that you mentioned i just want to bring up um well actually you didn't mention it while we've been on recording but you did mention it before um you actually have a white paper so one of the things that you know uh for those that might not be familiar with cryptocurrency if there's a coin or token you do need to look at the white paper so that way you can see where what the direction is um, cause that's the vision of where the coin is going. You mentioned stellar. Okay. Yep. So I'm not familiar with stellar. Um, it, right. uh, it's a fork of ripple. It's a fork of ripple. Oh, okay. Jen, Jen McCaleb was the founder of ripple, the technical guy who built, he was the first. So it's part you, you know, Jen McCaleb's story. I don't know the story. I know the coin. Okay, so you remember Mount Gox? I'm still learning all the, these names. Well, now I'm going to educate you and your users, your, your followers. Thank you. So this is actually really important in the history. But this is actually an important moment in time people have to learn from. Mt. Gox was the first of its kind. It was a crypto, it was a Bitcoin exchange. Forget crypto, it was a Bitcoin exchange, okay? Bitcoin was all that ever existed. It was the only one. And if you wanted to trade Bitcoin, you, you went to Mt. Gox. And he created it, uh, um, Judd Caleb. he created it. 
But then he was worried about the possibility around uh, some legal issues because there's a lot of you know regulatory questions. He sold it. So then, because now you have a, a third-party centralized exchange, Mt. Gox, with all of pe people are holding, like they put all their trust in this Mt. Gox, they're trading, they have all their Bitcoin, and it gets hacked. Mm. And all their Bitcoin's gone. And Mt. Gox goes bust. So meanwhile, the customers lose everything. There is no FDIC insurance. No. You lose everything. If you had $100,000 worth of Bitcoin, it's gone. It's, it's all out, right? It's devastating. So, so, but Jed wasn't there for that. So fast forward, uh, I don't remember the timeline when that all happened year-wise, but Jed started um, Ripple, with Ripple Labs with some folks. Built Ripple Technology, which is kind of like a, an iteration on top of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is what's called a proof-of-work blockchain. But Ripple started with a proof-of-stake blockchain created by Jed McHale and others. And made a lot of money from that uh, through the Ripple XRP token, which I would not personally support in any way, shape, or form. And I would recommend people not to necessarily purchase it. However, that's my personal opinion. Um, so then, but because Ripple kind of went a certain way, and he wasn't necessarily fond of the, the nature of the direction where they were going, he did what's called a fork. He copied the code, which is common. It, it happened to Bitcoin. It's happened to Ethereum. Copied the code and created a new iteration, a new version of Ripple, and he called it Stellar. And then Stellar ended up doing some stuff with IBM. Um, it's now working as like the default platform for one I mean, one country for a central bank digital currency. You can issue a stable token on it. You can issue uh, a fluctuating currency. It's just a, a protocol that you can basically use as your value layer to send funds. Our token, which it's a faster, cheaper experience. I like Stellar, and there's other evolution of blockchain like Algorand and others that are faster. <coughs> so when we when we started our, our solution, Stellar was the fastest, cheapest solution. And we're because we're focused on payments in the ecosystem, you don't want to pay four or five, ten dollars for a gas fee every transaction. That is not an, an evolution or improvement on a on a bank. Now if you have a mortgage and you're doing a hundred thousand dollar or you know a million dollar transaction it's not a big deal to pay five, ten bucks. But if you're paying for a cup of coffee, kind of a big deal. Yeah. And, and, and Stellar's great for, the, our, for our use case. But the main thing about blockchain is all it comes down to what's the use case. And as long as you know what you're trying to solve for, there's a different kind of blockchain that solves your problem. In the same way that if you're a mom and you're trying to go off-roading and you have three cars, and you've got the minivan and you've got a huge truck and you've got uh, a, you know, um, say an Audi, you know, coupe or something, right? A Nissan. You look at it and you say, okay, what's best for the off-roading? Well, it's taking the big truck. If you want to take the kids to school, you pick the minivan. So it's about picking the right blockchain to solve the right, whatever kind of problem you're trying to solve. And you bring up a really important point. Blockchain is there to, to solve problems. So what was the problem that you saw that existed and how did you create your team to solve that problem? Well, when we first started, it was focusing around digital advertising and solving a problem around um, track and trace within the, with a supply chain. Blockchain is great for supply chains because it provides total transparency and visibility into an ecosystem. Within that white paper that we created, it's a lot less relevant for us today to have a white paper because we already have an established company. We have a live product. If you don't know anything about us, you can just sign up and you can see it. You don't have to. When we did the white paper, it's like, here's the vision. Here's where we're going. But in that white paper, there was one page on the block part. 
one page out of 40 plus pages. But the thing is, we did both. We were doing two different things. One's our lexicon blockchain, which I won't bore you with. Um, but it's, we have a patent pending for it. It's a long time for that. Yeah. Um, the second was the block card. And the block card was the thing that took off. It was about people having cryptocurrency and wanting a really easy off-ramp. It's like, if I have Bitcoin today, well, I got to go through an exchange and they're going to charge me a bunch of fees and then it's a few days. And what if I want to keep, I don't want to do all of my crypto, I only want to do a little bit. So people having a sort of a crypto card makes a lot of sense for people. It's definitely, I think that even though we weren't the first, I think we're like the fourth in the U.S. And we are an American company. We're very proud of that. Uh, we're registered with the SEC, FinCEN, you know, like we, we really take compliance seriously. But I think we, I mean, maybe I'm misstating, mis, I'm overstating our impact. There's a lot of companies right now that are going the route of having a car connected to a cryptocurrency or cryptocurrencies. And I, I, because we white label our technology to other companies, I do think we were a big part of facilitating that rush into it because we regularly, you know, uh, tried to have, we have big customers, we have big clients that, that currently work with us as a white label partner, but we were always talking to people in the cryptocurrency industry. Um, and I definitely, some, several of them, you know, use us for sure. Like I think we're the, the number one platform in the world in terms of, white labeling for crypto sort of centric business for Visa fast track partner. We're one of only 12 card issuance uh, enabling partners in the US. But but I do think that our what we've been doing has kind of facilitated a lot of people looking at it and saying we want to do that too. And they either use us or they, they try to go their own way, but it's very hard to go your own way. So how is um how is what you're doing different than what PayPal's doing or some of those other platforms which um assist with transactions well paypal is a great example i'm glad they're doing it let's just say you buy bitcoin through paypal you buy bitcoin and they won't let you do anything with it it is in, it is in a closed loop environment now i don't think that's because paypal is a bad company paypal is taking a to their credit and i'm very glad that they are they're taking sort of a phased approach it's there's some regulatory regulatory uncertainty for them they're a big company and they want to make sure they get it right and they want to make sure that you know they don't get their head chopped off by some major regulator so it's safe for them to say okay you can buy bitcoin but you can't withdraw it and all of that stuff and then and then they've already said okay well in the future then you have bitcoin then you can use that bitcoin to make purchases within their merchant network within the paypal's ecosystem problem is it's the equivalent of um apple where everything operates in an apple environment and it's only Apple friendly. And you're either with Apple or you're not with Apple, and that's it. And a lot of people love Apple, right? And PayPal is a great company, made a lot of money, and kudos to them. And we hope we're the next PayPal for crypto. But they're competing with us as a Microsoft type, Google type, well, Microsoft, not in the early 1990s, Microsoft but today, is we're more of an open source, you know. And I think that's ultimately something that is inevitable that you can't be in the crypto industry when customers start to figure out. That crypto means total freedom and being able to control, and make your own decisions from control from banks and control from government. Now there are regulations, and that that's going to have a limitation. That we're always going to be held accountable by our regulator because those rules are put in place, you know, to protect us. Sometimes they're overbearing, and sometimes there's real reasons that they need to exist. But at the end of the day, the rules are the rules. And until you change, until you can affect change at the, at the legislation level, you know, in Congress, it's going to be what it's going to be, right? 
Um, but I do think fundamentally people will be able to see that, wow, this changes everything about the way that they manage money. And if you're conservative or libertarian, you like the fact that now you have more control and it's kind of more of like, not only it's like F the banks, but it's also kind of like, I don't want government in my, you know, in my library figuring out what books I'm reading, right? It's that kind of mentality. It's like, okay, cool. It solves that problem. But for people who are more liberal, who are going to be more like on the left side of things, they're concerned about like banks being predatory and, you know, taking advantage of people. And, you know, how do you help people who are uh, underbanked and the unbanked? And I think that everyone's going to see whether whatever direction you're coming from, whatever angle, unless you're in the bank cartel, okay, which is a kind of new thing to call them, um, you're probably going to realize that blockchain technology is fundamentally bringing a lot of things to the equation. Even regulators understand. I've had banks tell me we have better tools to manage and regulate just to see visibility into source of funds than any bank has by far. And, and so it's like, to me, blockchain solves problems around transparency. It solves pro problems around cost. It solves problems around, you know, uh, you know, people being taken advantage of and, and, and privacy. There's a lot of things that, that I think blockchain solves for. And I'm a real big believer that it's going to totally transform every single person, even if they're dealing in cryptocurrency that's stable and they don't even know it. It just, it just works and they don't even know it. It's just going to become very normal and, and it's going to change the way that banks operate. I, I agree with you. I think that like with any other technology, uh, what is on the fringe or the edge ends up becoming the normal and uh, improves things. And, you know, and then it sort of is like um, a wave effect. You know, we, um, what's, like I said, what's on the outside ends up just becoming everyday, like you said. So I, I guess the two questions is your background. How did you, uh, I mean, I noticed in LinkedIn, you know, that um, you've had, um, such a diverse life experience. How did you get from point A to point Z? Because what intrigued you about the blockchain and the technology and, you know, where you came from when you were a teenager? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, like I'm very grounded because of my upbringing. I can tell you that, um, you know, it's, it, it, my formative years will never be forgotten. And I hope to pass what I learned over the years to my children you know and I, I really hope that that i don't ra raise spoiled brats if i have to put them in wyoming for a s summer and chop wood or take them around the world to see you know whatever I, I definitely hope that i influence them in a positive way and that they become better good people good you know good people is the most important thing more than anything that they're happy um my career was for a long time about um just running operations you know i started as a kid i didn't uh barely graduated high school because i was taking care of myself early uh been around since i was 17 and um i went to college but i was working so hard i was working like 80 hours a week and i just kept getting promoted everywhere i went i got promoted you know and i kept moving on and getting promoted and uh and i did well for myself and i was working in you know large corporations mostly some major private corporations but um you know, I basically managed a lot of people. I, I've hired over 500 people in my life, uh, managed businesses over $60, $70 million in revenues a year. And I did that for such a long time. And I had this like ability to go and go on my own. And I basically said, Hey, like, you know, I'm giving notice. I'm out. 
I'm out of the, I, I actually said I'm retired, which is probably not the best word. I'm like, I'm out. But I really was like, I'm out. Like, I'm not, you know, and God forbid, I'll never work for anybody else again other than my customers and my board. But, um, you know, I really, um, now it's like, well, how to do it? Well, I, I started a few successful, um, one of them was very not successful, but very successful businesses that did really well, uh, that allowed me to financial freedom, the ability to, you know, go my own way and, and to be able to sustain my own family. And what we saw with Ternio was an opportunity to solve a real world problem using blockchain. Blockchain is often like, you know, artificial intelligence and other types of key buzzwords. It's often terms a lot of overhype on things and, and it's like the Gartner hype cycle. But the truth is that even though blockchain can often be overhyped and oversold by people who don't know what they're talking about or they're just, you know, charlatans, at the end of the day, the underlying technology, in my opinion, is going to be the transformative thing. It's the financial Internet. And, and people need to do more than educate themselves on Bitcoin. They really need to understand, first of all, read the white paper. It's eight pages. If you don't read the white paper, then, like, you're missing out. And then if you start to really dig into, like, beyond the price and you go back down and you start to figure out what the technology really is, you start to realize, like, this is going to affect everything I do. It's going to make the world a better place for me now. There's a lot of downsides to the technology too, but I mean, from the standpoint of like the Chinese government will have uh, control over their people in a much, much, much severe way because they're an authoritarian country. The United States is also fairly authoritarian when it comes to things like privacy, wanting to know, you know, for ter anti-terrorism laws. So we're, you know, I'm not saying we're authoritarian like Russia, but we're, we are a top-down kind of driven approach. We're fearful of the next 9-11, God forbid. And so... And as a proud American, I understand that. However, I do understand that, you know, it's all about how the technology is used. So how did I get into it? It was about really trying to solve a real world problem using new technology. And, and this is probably like a horrible, horrible analogy, but I would say it anyway, and because I just don't care. Um, so this is the equivalent of like the Mormons. So I think it's funny. So like, you know, the Mormons consider themselves Christian, right? Um, they have the Old Testament, they have the New Testament, and they have the Book of Mormon, right? So they have all the stuff that everybody else has in the Christian community, but they have an additional book. So we are the Mormons in the sense that um, we deal with all the old stuff, the old legacy stuff, right? The Old Testament version of financial technology, the wires and ACHs and debit cards and all the stuff that deals with that. But we also have this sort of new technology rail, and that's blockchain. And I think that the Fed... And I think every other major country in the world is going to have their monetary system that will continue to operate the same way that they do today, in print money in their own monetary policy. But they'll be doing it on a new technology rail that wasn't built 50 years ago. I agree with you in terms of just how we're transitioning. I know that um, you probably had to research a lot of the laws in the United States because each state has different regulations. The government yep. has different regulations. The IRS has a different definition of cryptocurrency than some other places. Um, before we, we sign off, because I know we'll have continuing conversations because I'm super excited about what you've created. How did you figure out how to navigate all those different rules and laws? Um, because that's very complicated. It is. And in, in the 2000, it was even more complicated in 2017. <laughs> you know, so the problem is, it's a complicated issue, and there's a lot of people who have opinions on it. So if you ask 10 lawyers, especially in 2017, probably a little bit better now, there's more guidance today. Okay? 
it's an ever-evolving, quickly evolving guidance. But if you'd ask a bunch of people in 2017 or experts in their field, you get a lot of different answers as to what the right answer is. And what you'd end up doing is spending a lot of money. In the beginning of your startup, you don't have a lot of money. So the barriers to entry could were real because you're tiptoeing around potential violations of law trying with good intent, yeah, with the best of intent, but just trying to navigate through the morass that can be the complexity of law because we're going, I mean, the framework we're using from the legal system is from the 40s called the, the Howey test. So the SEC, which, you know, regulates securities, says, okay, well, this cryptocurrencies meet the standard, most of them, not Bitcoin, they say, but like, you know, most of them meet the standard for the Howey test, which means it's in our purview. And like to your, say your point, you're like, so, you know, the SEC says it's security, um, FINRA says it's money, the IRS says it's property, you know, <laughs> like they all have different definitions that fit within their own scheme because there's not been any new laws to kind of on the books yet. And, and hopefully that there will be. So what we did is we just had to really, really educate ourselves. Very, very like, it, you know, a lot of companies basically avoided doing business in the United States because they were fearful. Although it's funny, a lot of those same entrepreneurs are from the United States and America's dominance. We have done so many bad things in this world over the history. Okay. Like slavery, right? Apartheid thereafter. There's a million things you could say about the United States. You could say, we, you know, we weren't our best. However, if you look at the things we've done as a country to make the world better, I, I, you know, from everything from food innovation, the technology, there's so many internet. The internet is because of America, because the United States. So there's a lot to be proud of as a, you know, as a kid from Texas, we say, here's, you feel like you're part of something great. Yeah. Our country yeah. has potential. We don't always demonstrate, we have potential to really 